Why, hello there, nerds. I'm Ash. And I'm Nat. And you're listening to Crime Time Nerds, a sister podcast. Welcome, nerdlings! In honor of Creepy Spooky October, Nat and I have decided to put out some bonus episodes. So, these aren't crime cases, but don't worry, we're still releasing the normal crime episodes on Sunday evenings each week for you fellow nerdlings. These are just some extra episodes for you in honor of our favorite spooky season. Today, Nat and I are going to be chatting about Irish creepy folklore and, of course, some evil fairies from the Celtic lore. So I am super excited about this episode. I feel like I say this about every episode, but (laughs) I mean, my family is from Ireland, so I just love, love kind of having that connection because I mean, I don't live there. Right. So it's just, it's just kind of fun to be connected in some sort of way to my family's history. I totally get that. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. And I find the Irish folklore really interesting and I hope you nerdlings enjoy this just as much as I do. Yeah, I I think for me, I I've always found just the the Irish lore to be really fascinating. It's really it's got a dark side to it, but it's also kind of almost like pretty and tongue in cheek at the same time. So I love how humorous a lot of the stories are, which I find so entertaining. <laughs> I definitely have to agree these have lots of humor weaved into their their lore. Yeah. I've never gotten to go to Ireland. It is one of the few places, or it's one of the places on my uh, to-do list that I would love to go to, to Ireland and just explore. But I have yet to do it. And until the pandemic's done with, I'm not going to be going to Ireland anytime soon. So this I'll have to do for now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what's interesting, though, about all of this is that Halloween is actually a Celtic carryover from ancient times. I'm not sure. I'm sure a lot of people probably are aware of that, but just kind of one of those interesting little facts in case you aren't. And so this is going to be pretty entertaining because I always mess this word up, but there was initially a Celtic festival that was referred to as Samhain. Is that right, Ash? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yes. You don't understand. I've been. I. This has been a struggle. This word and I. I see it. and I'm like, I don't want to say it. <laughs> <laughs> um. So during Samhain, people would light bonfires and they would wear costumes in order to ward off ghosts and spirits. As Samhain was considered to be the one day a year where all of the spirit folks could walk freely among humans. Ah, see, that's that stuff freaks me out. I don't like that idea. <laughs> I I get a little freaked out by ghosty goblins, like, not gonna lie. <laughs> so eventually what happened was that Pope Gregory the Third designated that November first was to be All Saints Day. And so the day before became known as All Hallows Eve, which of course is eventually what we would all refer to today as Halloween. And I'm so curious, Ash, because I know you, you know, your mom's from Ireland. Ireland is in your, like, soul. I have to, I know that, like, traditionally a lot of cultures, they they have those, like, legends and lore and, and sayings that get passed down from generation to generation. Did did your mom have any of those for you guys growing up? Um. So 
we didn't have too many because I mean some of them are really spooky, especially for a little kid. <laughs> but um, I mean, obviously, with school growing up, we grew up with like Saint pa- Saint Patrick's Day. You got the leprechauns, you got the pot of gold. But support. actually, my mom had introduced me to selkies. Ooh, and. I would watch, I was obsessed with this idea, and I would watch a bunch of movies on them. And so that was basically my introduction to Celtic folklore. I mean, mean, they also fall under Scottish, too. Yeah. But um, she's not super superstitious, if that makes sense. Yeah. But uh, I definitely grew up with some of her sayings with superstition (laughs) that she had brought over from Ireland. So Yeah. I've heard her say a few. She has a couple that are really, really cute and they always make me smile. (laughs) Yeah, I'll let you listeners in on those later on in the episode. But yeah, I mean, what is your favorite tale? I have a few. I love, love the stories of the leprechauns. I don't know the idea of like these, these little, little guys and gals burying in the, you know, having these little like hobbit holes in the ground then, and just being like, we folk. I don't know. I, I love the stories of the leprechauns also because they're mischievous, which I think is really funny. I, I love trickster tales. So the, the, the leprechaun kind of falls under that for me. Also have a soft spot in my heart for the stories of Queen Mab, who is, of course, the queen of the fairies. And I've always just loved this, like, almost antagon- often antagonistic character. You see her in literature all the time, and I, I, I've always enjoyed that character. And then the Lady of the Lake, who is from Arthurian Legends, which... I literally was one of those kids that was like obsessed with everything knights and Camelot and King Arthur and Merlin and all of it, just all of the Arthurian legends. So for me, I just, I have such a soft spot for the Lady of the Lake. Yeah, uh, that's interesting because when I was little, I hadn't heard those tales. So I'm definitely going to have to look into those. But I mean, yeah, I'm super biased with my love for selkies. <laughs> <laughs> There's no room. Yeah, so that's my number one. But another one of my favorites is the puka, which we are going to also talk about a little later on in this episode. Puka. I love the puka. That would be like in my top five too. Yeah. Puka's fun. <laughs> so, yeah, I have to say, I think like the puka is just so – I don't know. There's something about the story that is just so funny and just so Irish. It's fantastic. I love it. <laughs> and so, you know, one of the things I think that's fun with all of these is that all of these myths and these lore and these legends, they've lasted for so many centuries. And I, I find that fascinating. And I always wonder why that is, why these stories have carried on, you know, generation to generation, you know mom to child or, do- or you know, father to son. I-, I like that idea that these have just lasted and that they're just these beautiful oral traditions. And even if they're silly tales, they've just kind of always held that fas- fascination for humankind. Yeah, I love that too. And I really hope that with the world becoming more big in technology, yeah. I hope that we can really pass those oral traditions down and those myths because... Can't leave those fairies, you know? (laughs) Amen. Like, you know, no one wants to – I would hate to see, like, such wonderful stories and tales and tall tales kind of just die away. I don't know. I think there's something to be said for, like, some old-timey person telling you these just fantastic, you know, big fish kind of tales. So I I have a soft spot for them. (laughs) uh, And for me personally, one of my other, like, 
favorite, favorite tales is actually that of the changelings, which for anyone who doesn't know, changeling is a fairy child that is left in place of the human child. And it was said that the fairies would spirit away the human child off to the fae world. And in that human child's place, they would actually leave behind one of their own fae children to kind of trick the the child's parents. And I love, love how evil the fairies come off in this, this story. I love how, like, sinister the changeling is because the changeling feels like it's Literally something out of one of our cases. It's it's a true crime story if there ever was one. Oh, definitely. Oh, yeah. Like, those little guys should be charged with kidnapping. No joke. But <laughs> um, oftentimes what would happen was is that the story of the changeling was used to explain just away things like childhood disease or, you know, childhood issues. And it was one of those that just lasted a lifetime and it's literally still used Today, you see it in literature, movies, TV. It still exists. I'm going to just wear my nerd out uh, on my sleeve today, y'all. So sorry. <laughs> sorry now. But uh, <laughs> so if you are a Doctor Who fan, you might get my reference here. But there was a show called Torchwood, which was like the spinoff of Doctor Who. And Torchwood did this episode that was all about changelings. And it was so, so cool. And they, they like, I even remember one of the cool things was that they had the, like, there's this poem by W.B. Yeats that is called The Stolen Child. And it's kind of a classic story of the changeling is probably one of the most popular and most, like, literally, or, yeah, and one of the most, like, commonly used, used tales to describe the changelings. But in the episode, they had the poem kind of throughout the episode, and it was so cool how they did it. But anyway, sorry, that's my nerdy reference of of how you see it in, in television and in, in TV shows and such. But for anyone that's interested, uh, Yeats was an Irish native, and he was a really well-respected poet. I want to say he was an 1800s, but don't quote me on that. I think he was late 1800s poet. But uh, this is actually happens to be one of my favorites. Yeats happens to be one of my favorite poets, so I think it's kind of a, a cool thing. But uh, just for our a little treat, I will actually read one of the excerpts from The Stolen Child. And this is easily found online if you guys want to read the whole poem. I totally recommend it. Actually, any of his, they're phenomenal. Where dips the rocky highland of Sleuthwood in the lake, there lies a leafy island where flapping herons wake. The drowsy water rats, there we've hid our fairy vats, full of berries and of reddest stolen cherries. Come away, O oh human child, to the waters and the wild, with a fairy hand in hand, for the world's more full of weeping than you can understand. Woo, that! Yeah. I really like that. Yeah, this is, it, and the whole poem has that one like stanza of the come away, O oh human child. And there's something about the imagery behind it that just like gets me. Where you just picture these like little tiny fae folk just like spiriting away some small toddler off into the woods somewhere. I, I don't know why. I've always just had this image of it. I love it. Yeah, I definitely need to look at that full poem because that, yeah. that's really awesome. I really, I especially like that last chunk from like the come away a human child to the waters in the wild with a fairy hand in hand for the world's more full of weeping than you can understand. Like it's kind of like the world, yeah. you can't understand the world and it's too hard it's Crazy. too sad so we're just gonna take you yeah just come be a fairy which i'm not gonna lie if i were like some toddler i'd be like sure let's go <laughs> i'd be like 
I would like to hang out with the fairy. I totally would have gone with the changelings when I was a child. No ifs, ands, or buts. I would be in the fae if this were like a thing. (laughs) (laughs) I've always enjoyed it. So the other story that we mentioned earlier is that of the puka. (laughs) So like Ash and I said, this is one of our faves. But (laughs) I originally actually first heard of the tales of the puka. So again, this whole episode is just showing how nerdy and, and lame I am. But whatever. I don't care. This show was awesome. (laughs) There was this old made-for-TV movie, and it was called The Magical Legend of the Leprechauns, which is really sad that I still remember this, but I do. (laughs) And I maybe allegedly bought it on DVD, too. Allegedly. (laughs) And what's cool about it is it's actually a whole retelling of Romeo and Juliet, but it's all done with the Irish folklore and the legends, and it's all done with the fae. And in it should be really silly, and it probably didn't age well. I've not watched it in probably 20 years, but it was really cool at the time. And the Puka was one of the characters in it, and I first learned about it. And I thought this this creature was probably one of the coolest in Irish lore. But the Puka is both a harbinger of good or bad fortune. And Puka were often described as furry, and they would have dark or white fur or hair. And they could shape change and would often take the appearance of horses, goats, cats, dogs, and rabbits. They could also take a human form, but they would often still have those animal features. So they would still have like a tail or maybe animal ears. And they were known to be mischievous as most of the Irish fae are, which is one of the things I love. And the puka would lure humans to join them for a ride on their backs And they would then take the poor, unknowing human on this harrowing journey and then drop them back off where wherever it was that the puka had picked them up from. And so basically what what I've decided is the pubas, the the puka is like your sober friend at a party who basically just likes to mess with all of their drunk friends. That's that's the puka. (laughs) (laughs) Or your puka friend or your or the puka is your friend who is the drunk friend who is still managing to mess with all his sober friends or her sober friends. So that's my theories on the puka. <laughs> I like that theory. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> so Irish lore often includes an out for folks. And one of them is that if a rider finds themselves trapped on a puka, they should wear spurs on their shoes as they can use the sharp, sharp points from the spurs to steer the creature if they're riding on its back. And this actually probably stems from the Irish belief, and a lot of folks I'm sure are familiar with this, but the Irish belief was that cold iron had this strange ability to ward off the supernatural, so that is more than likely where where the, the wearing the iron spurs on your shoes would, would deter a, a puka from taking you. I actually might and, want the puka to take me. I, <laughs> I, no, I let's go on a... Like, <laughs> I'd go with the puka. Right? Like if I am a few drinks down, like I am totally down to go on a ride with a puka and just go yeah. all over the place. Like that'd be pretty I fun. better be a blast. I'm going with changelings. <laughs> Ash is going with the puka. Everyone's going on an adventure. <laughs> Nothing could puka. go wrong here. You're a puka <laughs> and I'm I'm changelings all the way. I'm like, let's go. <laughs> I'm with the puka 2020. <laughs> oh yeah. Puka 2020. <laughs> This, that's how this year got weirder. <laughs> <laughs> if it if it could, you know. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, amen to that. So one final choice of the or of my choices, I'll say, is the banshee. 
So I have ulterior motives for having chosen the Banshee, which I'll admit is maybe because I'm a giant D&D nerd. <laughs> uh, it's come out in a couple episodes. What we find out in the side show or the side episodes is that I am just a hardcore nerd. <laughs> <laughs> hardcore. And the Banshees have always been like something I find really cool. And I loved I loved them from D&D. So that's how I first kind of learned about them. And, and, you know, shows and stuff. But the lore itself for, for the Banshee is super, super interesting. And I wasn't aware. This was one thing I didn't know. When, and, and when I was researching this, I kind of found interesting is that the Banshee is actually considered one of the Fae, which I didn't really picture the Banshee being a fairy. I've always thought of them as more like a ghost. Yeah, I had that same thought. I didn't think of them as a fairy either. Yeah, and so they're thought to be related to the fairies. And there's two different versions of the Banshee that I've heard. So there's either the normal way I think of a Banshee, which is like normal height and kind of more ghostly. And then there's actually lore that the Banshee is only like one to three feet tall. So, I mean, I think that's kind of cool. I'm a short girl, so I support a very short Banshee, I'm just saying. (laughs) (laughs) So the Banshee is a female spirit who is recognized by her wailing or the shriek that she would do whenever someone was near death. And so she's often described as kind of more of a ghostly spirit, which I think is why I thought she was a ghost and not a fairy. But she's described to have had long streaming gray hair, and she'll often be depicted wearing a a gray cloak. And one of the things that I found really interesting was that I'd always pictured that she wore all gray, but actually it turns out she wore a gray cloak and had a green dress is how the lore actually described her. Yeah, I definitely thought the same. I didn't expect her to be wearing a green dress because when I think of her like you do, I think a regular sized human, feet on the ground, like long white dress that's like all straggly and kind of yeah and like gravy you know like dirty like that's always what I pictured yeah but apparently that's not that's not the case (laughs) so I think that's just kind of changed over over time and probably through a lot of the media you know media forms and so one of the things is that the banshee is usually always seen at night and she's seen as a shrouded spirit and will often be seen with a veiled face and her wail is described as the most mournful sound on earth and her shriek or keening is so sharp that she can shatter glass. I've actually heard that one before. It's that shriek. But I I keep thinking, it's funny, I hadn't really put it together until, until we were uh, putting together some research for this. But in the Middle East, where I'm from, we actually have a funerary tradition. And it involves a group of women who are called whalers. And it is a tradition that stems back... thousands of years, I'm sure. It is an old, old tradition in our culture. And the whalers may may not even know the person who has passed, but they will always go behind and they will will wail for the the loss of that life. And so the Banshee, for some reason, made me think of this tale. And I thought it was really similar to the whalers of the Middle East. And it made me have that realization too that I love mythology, so I'm a huge mythology buff. But one interesting fact is that you do see these similarities in, in some of the myths and folklore that get to become a part of, of a culture over time. And I, I thought this was kind of interesting. So I had to wonder if maybe there was some some kind of origin story for the, the Middle Eastern 
whalers from from perhaps the the Irish Irish uh, banshee stories. Yeah, and I wonder if you had like we said different cultures have different folklore, and I wonder if there yeah. is a banshee folklore in a bunch of other different cultures Others. where certain things stemmed from. I think um, I know Central America has the uh, La Llorona. La, I can never say it. I think right. I think you got it. Um, and yeah, yeah. They, they're pretty similar, if I recall. Yeah, it kind of has a similar similar origin too. So it, it also kind of almost pulls from that like lady in white stories you hear in the United States too. So there's kind of a little crossover in some of these lores, which I, I personally enjoy. It just kind of shows you where people take the stories from probably their home cultures. And then as they move and shuffle about, they take that and then it, it changes to become new part of the culture. So I like that. Yeah, and it's actually interesting. I was talking to my cousin who lives over in Ireland, and I was asking if he had heard any kind of superstition things on the Banshee. And he actually did say that when he, I mean, it's probably a sanitary thing as well <laughs> as, a, as a wives' tale. He was told to never pick up a comb on the side of the road because that is a comb that the Banshee had left. See, this makes total sense to me because there's a story in D&D that, that is literally about, like, giving a banshee a comb. It was a, in one of their, like, pre-made adventures. Sorry. I There's no way to make this less nerdy. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I swear. So when you told me that, I was just like, oh, my God, this happened in D&D. <laughs> yeah. it's. I mean, I would have never associated the banshee with a comb. <laughs> so I No, I wouldn't have. I, I still don't really get the... The reference, but whatevs, you know, you do you, Banshee, you do you. <laughs> I mean, full circle, you know, everything, yeah, everything absolutely. comes back around. Always. <laughs> so speaking of full circle and it being Halloween, <laughs> I was going to make a joke about a pumpkin, but I couldn't think of one. <laughs> I know, dang it. But uh, I'm actually going to talk about the tale of Stingy Jack. And this is actually the tale that created the pumpkin carving tradition. So that's where I was saying comes around full circle. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently back in the day, Stingy Jack invited the devil to have a drink with him. So as his name implies, Stingy Jack didn't want to actually pay for his own drink. So he convinced the devil to turn himself into a coin. Once Jack convinced the devil to do this act, he then decided that he actually wanted to keep the coin and not bother making the payment for the drinks. So Jack put the coin in his pocket next to a silver cross, and this kept the devil from being able to turn back into his true form. Eventually, the devil was freed under the condition that he wouldn't bother Jack for one full year, and if Jack did happen to die, the devil couldn't come and claim his soul during that time. The next year, Jack again tricks the devil when he convinces the devil to climb up into a tree to pick a piece of fruit. While the devil is in the tree, Jack carves a cross into the bark so that the devil couldn't come down until he agreed to leave Jack alone for 10 years. During the 10-year period, Jack had passed away. So the legend says that because Jack was such an unsavory man, he couldn't go to heaven. And the devil, who is still burned... By Jack. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I love you, Con. <laughs> I know. Yeah. <sighs> that was great. <laughs> so the devil, who was still burned by Jack, wouldn't allow him into hell. 
Instead, Jack was sent off into the dark of night with only a piece of burning coal to light his way. Jack put the coal into a carved-out turnip, and he's been roaming the earth ever since. So he became known as Jack of the Lantern, or just Jack-o'-lantern. And when Irish immigrants came to the Western world, turnips were harder to come by, and so pumpkins were used in its place on All Hallows' Eve to resemble the lantern that Jack would carry through the night. Ah, I love that story. I love this story. It's one of my faves. It's so good. I also love me some Jack. I know he's honorary as as all, but man, that's pretty creative. (laughs) I know. It's so funny because I noticed in a lot of Irish lore that the devil is easy to trick. And in some other cultures, it's really not the case. No, no. We don't really... Ours is a little, our lore is a little different because we have like the gin and stuff uh, more so in Middle East culture. But yeah, there's a lot of humor too to the devil and the devil tales within the Irish lore, I think. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. I really like it that is. view. <laughs> yeah. And I love the story of like where the jack-o'-lantern came from. I just think that's really cool. I know. I like that a lot too. And for some reason, I always, when I hear this story, I always think of the Nightmare Before Christmas from that Jack. I don't know why. Because he's a pumpkin. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I do love me some Nightmare. Mine is always, (laughs) I think, of Ichabod Crane. And so uh, I always think of uh, the Headless Horseman. I don't know why. There's something about it that reminds me of, of that story. For no real reason when I think about this, but (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I think there's Um, actually an Irish folklore in the same vein as the Headless Horseman. That's what I was trying to remember. I felt like, yeah, I feel like it is actually has its origins in an Irish story, but I'll have to look that up at some point. That'll, I'll follow up with that. I'll let you all know how that goes. Yeah. (laughs) So another, another fun little folklore is actually fairy rings. And it is said that Fae will often dance in circles in the grass, and that is kind of their fairy ring. And they can actually be kind of a few different forms of things. Like you can see them pop up as mushrooms, as little stone hedges, or just like even hedges in a circle. Like not hedges, but like little grass tufts or just something resembling a circle. But I mean, I think of it as the mushrooms, but it is said that this is very dangerous for humans who pass by because the fae actually have music and that music can often be intoxicating to humans. And it actually leads the human right to the ring, which is interesting. I like that. That's interesting. Yeah, I feel like in a lot of folklores, they have that, like uh, sirens, their siren song attracts the sailors. So lures you in. Yep. I love that story. Yeah. And um, if a human were to step into the ring, they will actually be cast to join with the Fae in their dance. And what seems to be only a few minutes or an hour is actually seven years or more in our time on Earth. That's really cool. I love that. Like just one moment or one hour becoming seven years of your life. Like that's really cool. Yeah. And I mean, like you said, in a lot of these lores, there's always a way out. Yeah. And actually those captive humans can be rescued. And since this is very like old timey, a lot of the men would wear coattails. So the rescuer would actually have to be held on to buy his coattails while other people are pulling onto him. <laughs> and this person would reach into the ring, 
of course, leaving one of his feet out. Right. And he would pull the dancer out. <laughs> and it's that easy. <laughs> it's like you're, you know, again, I go back to the like getting your like drunk friend who's starting a row like out of the the bar before he gets punched in the face. Like I picture the same thing. <laughs> like, let's get you out of the mosh pit. Come on. Yep, yep. Come on. Let's go. Um, that's all I picture. It's just so funny. Uh, their stories are so good. They're just so fun. I like the idea of like the fairies being like, well, you can come dance with us, but we're taking seven years. We're going to dance <laughs> for seven years. I know. I just love it. I would love to just be walking along in a forest and just hear music and then see yeah. a bunch of like little fairy lights and fairies just like partying it up. Dancing. <laughs> I love it. Love it. Love it. That's it's how it so should be. Funny. Yeah. <laughs> and, and apparently it is said that the mushrooms are there because when the fae get tired of dancing, it's kind of like yeah. a little seat. They can like prop up and like uh, sit on the mushroom and watch everyone else. <laughs> I don't know why that makes me so happy. Like so happy. <laughs> I know. It's it's really cool. I really like it. It's, I like it's a lot one. of fun. This was just cute. It just makes me happy. I mean, I feel bad for the people who have to go dance for seven years, but not that bad. I mean... When I was younger, I used to love to go dancing. So, oh yeah, I'm just saying. Come on, yeah, I'd be all about it. I'm like seven years to just boogie. I'm in. <laughs> so, what we've learned from this episode, Ash, is that apparently you and I are joining the the fairies if we ever get a chance to. Oh, one hundred percent. We're out. We're going to the fairyland. <laughs> I mean, at this point, I might just. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh, All right. Which okay, so this leads us to my last, which is my absolute favorite. And actually, I mean, I will join the Fae, but I mean if I have a chance to be a sulky, ooh, ooh that's like a toss up. I feel like you're being a little bit of a turncoat on our plan, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> you do you, Ash. You oh do you. <laughs> So I would, uh, uh, all right, I'll make the comment after because I don't want to give it away. But this folklore is actually shared between both Ireland and Scotland. And I'm sure I'm leaving out another place that has it. But this is the majority yeah. of, of the two. And like I said, this is my favorite legend growing up as a kid and still holds true today. Um, Selkies are Ireland's interpretation of a mermaid. And legend has it that these creatures are seals when they're in water and human when they are in land. And the seals actually shed their skin on land when they become a human form. And these sea humans, as I'm going to call them, <laughs> are very irresistible to us land folk. And it is said that if one of us land folk find the shed skin of the selkie and we hide it, the selkie is now a permanent land dweller and most likely will like be your wife or husband wow yeah i mean i don't like that part of the selkie thing no. i just want to be a selkie so i can swim in the in the ocean yeah. <laughs> all yeah. the time. you know just make sure if you become a selkie that you just don't leave your skin behind yeah right. just don't do it. you don't want anyone stealing it and you know tying you down <laughs> So many Irish folklore is riddled with men finding and hiding the seal skin and marrying the now human Selkie. Mm. And it is also said that there's this, like this little cute thing that it's actually said that Selkies can be seen on the beach dancing at night. 
Oh, I like that. I know. I really like that, too. Like, they're all like, ah, let's get out of this water. Let's go party on land for a little bit. Yeah. Use their <laughs> land lugs. Yeah. Love it. I know. That's that's a really cool thing to envision. Yeah. And one Irish tale actually tells of a man named Thaddy who happened to stumble across a naked woman combing her hair. And she kind of had what looked to be a black cape next to her. And Thaddy instantly fell in love with her upon first sight because, like I said, Selkies, sea humans, are just so irresistible to us land folk. Yeah. And Thaddy, I guess, knew of these Selkie folklores. So he knew that that cape-looking thing was actually her seal skin. So he oh. grabbed her cape and hit it. And this Selkie, known as Eve, was then stuck on land and married to Thaddy. And I know, I know. And they eventually had seven children and they kind of just like ruled the land around them. Mm. And one day Thaddy was actually seen by one of his children checking on something that was hidden, which was actually he was checking on the sulky skin. Uh And the child went to their mother, a.k.a. Eve, and told her of this secret hidden like bag of gold. So Eve, it sparked her interest, and she went and found it and actually retrieved her sulky skin as her love for the sea was always calling to her. Wow. So she left for the sea, but she soon realized that she couldn't take all of her children. She has seven of them. That's a lot of kids. That is a lot of kids. So (laughs) classic Irish family. Uh, That's what I've taken from the story. I'm like, that's a lot of kids. (laughs) So she actually turned five of her kids into rocks and one kid under each arm and she went into the sea. Wow. So she just like left her five rock children behind. Yeah. I guess they're going to be stuck as rocks until, I mean, I also, I always wonder about the story. I'm like, could she have gone back and grabbed the kids? (laughs) I mean, I feel like there was a solution here, but what else? Whatever worked for her, she needed to do her. But um, I wonder how she chose which kids she was going to bring. Like, <laughs> I, I can't help but be like, which? What was the the appeal with the two you picked? <laughs> that is a good That's question. Taken from this, yeah. That is funny because I wonder whoever thinks these stories up. Like, if they think about that after, they're like, oh, man, yeah. I already chiseled this, like, novel into a rock. I can't erase it. <laughs> yeah, this is it now. This is the tale. There were seven. Now there's two. This is yeah. what happened. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I, I, I like that story, though. I, I've always liked the Selkies. They're they're really – they're a cool story. Although, Selkies also part of true crime because that's holding somebody against their will. Just say yes, yes. That is definitely. See, there's. We have a little bit of true crime in here. Yeah, it related, <laughs> kind of ish. <laughs> but there's. Uh, I. I just. I don't know why. I just love this lore so much because. Yeah. I mean, I love mermaids. Me too. But I mean, selkies are my go-to. Mm. But I don't know. I just. I find it so intriguing, and I also love seals. Yeah. I often call my pup Rocky, my little land seal. <laughs> oh my god, that's a. Adorable. I call my dog Baby Moose. Aw, that's pretty cute. <laughs> Not nearly, nearly as cute as Land Seal. Well, he gets a lot. He gets like, I call him like Pooper, Monkey. Like he gets, he gets a lot of like silly little names. Yeah, we have those too. <laughs> I mean, he's he's all black, so his hair or his fur is really slick back, and then sometimes yeah. his ears are kind of down. So you can't tell he has ears. He looks like a little seal. (laughs) Yeah. But it's funny because I often tell my partner, 
because I am so clumsy on my feet like all the time. And I love swimming. I could be, I'm always the last one in the water. Like always. Oh, really? Yeah. So I always joke anytime I'm like tripping, I'm like, see, this is why I'm not supposed to be a land folk. I'm supposed to be a selkie in the water. (laughs) (laughs) I wish. I actually will admit I cannot swim. (laughs) I like dabbling in the water, but I will fully admit I am a little bit nervous about the, uh, about going in deep. So I am not meant to be one of the, one of the sea folk. (laughs) Well, I mean, I, dark water does freak me out. I really like when I can actually see down into it. Yeah. But just because I know all this folklore and like all this jazz, (laughs) it does freak me out that I can't see what's under me. And the second I feel a piece of seaweed or algae, like game over, I am out. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, same. Same. I'm just like, nope. <laughs> if I like kayak. Yeah. The selkies are definitely one of my faves. Yeah, yeah. I like kayaks because you can be in the water, but not like like touching all the things down there. Because I've definitely been swimming and like a fish comes up against my leg and I'm like, nope. Yeah. But none yeah, of it. That's my favorite. Yeah, I'm with you there. I like kayaking. Floor. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and like on that same note with the whole Irish selkies and my mom introducing me to those beautiful selkies that I love so much. Um, she also <laughs> would talk about kind of like sayings and superstitions. Like, yeah, anytime you drop a fork, that means someone's going to come visit you. And I think, I think there it's different meanings for different, like a fork, a knife or whatever culture. But oh, really? Yeah. I think like if you drop a huh. fork, it's going to be a woman. If you drop a knife, it's going to be a man. Really? Yeah, it's pretty interesting. It's but my mom used to always say that, especially like if culture dropped or say um one of our brooms, if our broom dropped, she'd be like, "Oh, we're expecting company." Huh? I'd never heard this before. This is a new one to me. That's actually really cool. I like that one. I should be having a ton of guests because let me tell you, there's a lot of forks dropped in this house. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they're just guests you can't see. Oh, no, that's not funny, Ash. (laughs) (laughs) I don't like that at all. Oh, my God. You're going to get my phone call at midnight. Yeah, right? (laughs) (laughs) So I actually called my mom the other day to ask her a few more. And she said, like, this one really, like, took me aback. I was like, oh, my God. She said that if a bird hits a window, like, say, like, a window in your house or whatever, um, someone's going to die soon. What? Yeah, which I was like, ooh, that's like really dark. I wonder how I feel about that. That that doesn't feel like the normal happy Irish tales. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) I want like a drunken ride through like the meadows in this. (laughs) On a puka. (laughs) On a puka. (laughs) But I mean, there are a couple good funny ones. So like a a nice sweet one is actually if you see a robin, like if a robin is around you, it's actually a loved one visiting you, which is really sweet. Oh, I like that. That is super sweet. And one that you've probably heard before is like, if your ears are burning, someone's talking about you. Yeah, I've heard that one. I've heard it if your ears are ringing. Yeah, I was going to say, I've heard ringing, not burning. If your ears are ringing, someone is talking about you. Yep. And then the last one that I remember my mom telling me, and I actually looked it up and I, I was like, yep bell went off I was like I recognize that is if your palms are itchy you're going to be running into money I support this come on palms 
I need a little itch here. <laughs> just gonna throw that out there. Yeah. It's yeah. I love these. They're so cute and they're definitely yeah. something that like I could picture a grandparent telling their grandchildren oh, or something. Definitely. These are these are really super cute. They make me smile. I love stuff like this. It's just it's it's wholesome. It oh, actually it's so funny. I was asking my mom about superstitions and She's yeah. Like, oh, also the black cats. If you cross a black cat, and I was like, oh, we'll never go to Nat's house. <laughs> I know she like loves my cat, and he's totally like this. He's a giant cat. He's a big guy, and he's this dark black, sleek cat. Uh, actually, my last two cats have been black cats. Actually, um, <laughs> but that's so funny that I didn't realize that was like a thing with her because she loves my cat. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I love Jack, too. He's so sweet. Jack is, well, he's sweet to everybody but me, but <laughs> Jack hates me. <laughs> His intuition tells him no. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he knows that I just want to, like, squeeze him and snuggle him. He knows yeah. nothing good is coming from it. <laughs> I know. That, that's Ooh. where I say cats are, like, have little aliens inside. They just don't want to be around us. They, it, no. they, need to, they have to want it. Yeah, it's on their terms. Their love is conditional. (laughs) Like dogs, you can just grab and hug and they're like, oh, okay. My dog, he he concedes that this is happening. He's gotten where he needs it because I've made him. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh my God. You love me. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Do you have anything to add? No, I think that's it for this episode. (laughs) Should we send out the apologies afterwards? Oh, my gosh. I know, right? Oh, man. Thanks, nerdlings. (laughs) (laughs) All right, nerdlings. Trust that intuition and listen to those itchy palms. And also, send us a message if your palms start itching. No kidding. Yeah, you know, just remember how much you like us. (laughs) (laughs) Keep it spooky this month and safe. Until next time, you lore-loving nerdlings. And if you liked this episode or any of our others, please hit that subscribe button. And feel free, yep. <laughs> feel free to leave us a review on iTunes or your preferred podcast subscriber. You can also hit us up on Instagram at CrimetimeNerds or check out our case notes at CrimetimeNerds.com where we post references and post all of our cases' photos. We also have a Twitter account, which is at CrimetimeNerds, and an email you can reach out at CrimetimeNerds at gmail.com. Until next time, I'm <laughs> loving nerdlings. I almost lost that. I almost lost that. I kept it together. I don't know if that counts as kept together. <laughs> Should I redo it? No. It's okay. Not. Okay. <laughs> I'm leaving it as is.